So many of us coming here, joining together from so many different backgrounds, but one, but one in Christ together, worshiping the King of all the kings, and we are privileged to be, to be here together. Let me pray for us and for our time together, and then we'll go into the Word. Let us pray. Father God, we give you praise and we worship you because you deserve all of our praise and you deserve all of our worship. We have come together here this morning from all different backgrounds, and yet we are one in Christ through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ that is done on our behalf on the cross. And so we say thank you, God, our Father. I thank you for each one of us. We thank you, Father, for the diversity. We thank you for Europe, and we pray that you would continue to work in that land, in that continent. We pray for the islands in the Pacific. We pray for your blessing, for pray, pray for revival in those continents, in those islands, that Jesus, you will, be, you will be magnified in those places. And so I thank you for each one of us here once again. I thank you for the privilege you've given us to go into your word. In Jesus' name. Now let me ask you, how many of you believe you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Let me see a hand. If you know Jesus as your Savior, let me see your hand. Beautiful. Amazing. Let me ask you again. How many of you believe that you still have a long way to go in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of you feel like you have a long way to go? You are not alone, my friends. As you can see, there are many of us who have come to know Christ, but what? But we still believe we have a long way, and we are not alone. Our friend Paul will tell us the same thing. Let us all stand for the reading of the word and go into the word together. So the reading today, the passage we'll be looking at is Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12 up to 16. Not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. The word of God may be seated. So as you, we have already seen, Paul begins by saying, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. And in verse 13, Brothers, I do not yet consider that I have made it my own. So he keeps saying, it, it. I have not obtained it. I have not made it my own. When you read that, that automatically makes you go back to see what is he talking about? What is it that he has not obtained? What is it that he has not made his own yet? So for that, we'll go to a verse before that. We look at verse 4, beginning with verse 4, and we will see what he's talking about. In verse 4, beginning with verse 4, he says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, 
If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he begins to list. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. All these are to my credit, my friends. And he lists them. But then what's important is the next one. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may, and in, in, it begins to list what he wants to gain, that I may gain Christ, that I may be found in Christ, that I may have the righteousness of God through faith in Christ, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the fellowship in his suffering and becoming like him in death. And finally, I want to attain to resurrection from, from the dead. These are the things that I want. So he says, you know what? I have all these things to my credit, but I count them rubbish. Like a cow's dung. They're just trash. But what I want, says Paul, what I want is I want to know Christ. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ and being found in Christ and having his righteousness and joining him in the fellowship of his suffering, even in his death. And one day to attain the resurrection from the dead. This is what I want. But then when we Look at this ones. When we try to trace this ones, we kind of will get this trajectory. It begins with what is the justification, what they call justification. Justification is a legal term. It's a legal term. What it means is at the moment you and I put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God declares you and me right with God. He declares you and me forgiven, completely from, forgiven from our sins, and the righteousness of God credited to us. Wow. That is something that happens at the moment we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. It is instantaneous, instantaneously, when we trust in him, we are declared to be right with God, forgiven, and his righteousness given to us. Now, it doesn't stop there, though. It has the end. Let's look at the end. The end finishes with what? It finishes with glorification. Glorification is the point that we look forward to. It won't happen now. It is something we look forward to. When we are raised, those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they are raised with Christ and seated in glory with him, that is the glorification that we look forward to. It happens at his coming. But then what happens in between? When we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are justified. We are made right to God, with God. But we look forward to the time when we will be glorified, raised with Christ. But in between, there is that process of growing. There is that process of growing which is referred to as sanctification. 
Now, when Paul is talking about, I have not obtained it yet, what is he talking about? Spurgeon says this, when he talks about this one, he says, as far as being accepted by God is concerned, a Christian is complete in Christ as soon as he believes. Those who have entrusted themselves into the hands of the Lord Jesus, they are saved. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, at the moment a person believes in Christ Jesus, that person is saved. The work is done. This salvation, therefore, the apostle has already attained. He is not saying, I have not obtained this salvation yet, because that is done. When you and I have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, our salvation is done. But while the work of Christ for us is perfect, it would be presumptuous to think that you and I can add anything to the work that Christ has done. That we can add anything to our salvation. However, the work of the Holy Spirit in you and me is not perfect yet. It is continually being carried out on from the day to day, and it will need to be continued throughout our lifetime. The work of the Holy Spirit in you and me continues. That will be the process of our sanctification, making us into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a process. So like Paul, what, what he says is, you know, I desire this. But then in that verse, verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or that I'm already perfect. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Now this, I find it to be surprising. Paul, who is the greatest, one of the greatest followers of Christ in all of history, one who has been stoned and left to die, one who has gone through so much, my friends, he is saying, you know what, I want that, but I have not obtained it. I have not reached there. Just the way you and I have said, we, we're not there, we want, but we're not there. But even Paul has not reached it there. So we can't be quiet. We can't just say, all right, whew, now my sins are forgiven. That's it, let me sit down. It's not time to sit, but because there's a way, still a long way for us to go. But it is not only us. So if you feel like I am not moving on, I'm not growing, it's not only you. But I believe you want to grow, you want to move on. Another point we see from what Paul tells us here is it is for joy, it is for knowing Christ that he has made us to belong to him. We belong to him for what purpose? so that we would know Christ. Like in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it, this, or I'm perfect, but I do what? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So the word for which, 
I have kind of underlined it. It's important. I press on to take hold of that. To take hold of what? To take hold of the things that we already said. I press on to do that. But it is also the purpose for which God has taken hold of us. When Christ, God, has taken hold of you and me, when he has brought us into his family, it is for a purpose. And the purpose is not so that we will feel good, but it is so that you and I would know Christ. The desire that you and I have to know Christ, it is exactly for that purpose that God has made us his own. Another translation will say it in a different way, but very similar as well. I press on to make it my own, and he says the word is because. Because gives us the reason. The reason I press on. The reason I press on is because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The reason you and I need to press on to take hold of that is because God has made us his own. Now, when you have a child, those of you who have children, you know, when you have a child, that child as she grows or as she grows, that child looks up to you so that the child continues to grow in your image, in the way you do things. Sometimes it's scary, right? Because some of the things we do is not really something that you want your child to imitate. But then they do. That the point is, because the child be belongs to this father, because the child belongs to this mother, that child grows wanting and imitating the parents. Because you and I belong to God, we grow, we desire to be like him. We desire and we want and we press on to be like him. You with me? So why do we press on to take hold of it? We press on because it is exactly for that reason that God has made us his own. Another point I would like to bring here is the idea of pressing on. Pressing on to take hold of that, that thing, the knowledge of Christ. Now the first point I would like to say there is the need for a holy discontentment the need to have a holy discontentment. Most of us, obviously, as I said earlier, most of us want to be on that trajectory and we want to keep moving on that trajectory. But I wonder if some of us are already contented with where we are or if some of us have given up or if we have experienced some kind of a spiritual defeat and so we are pressed down and we are stuck here. Is it possible that we are contented with what we already are, we have achieved? Or do we feel like we, are, we have fallen and fallen over and over and I say, that's it. John Newton says this, and I like what he says. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Today, you and I, 
we are not what we want to be. We are not yet what God wants us to be, and so we have not achieved it yet. We still want to go. But the beautiful thing is, you are not who you were in the past. I am not who I was some years ago. By the grace of God, I am someone different today. But by the grace of God, I still want to be somebody else. And I believe that is your desire, and it is my desire as well. We are not who we were, but we are not who we want to be yet. We are in this transition. We are work in progress to become what God wants us to become. And so what do we need to do? And so we do not just sit still, being contented with it, but instead we press on. But then why do we need to press on? Why not just move, can't we? But, you know, looking at that chair there, I'm not sure much of the physics thing, but I've heard from my physics long time ago, there are forces that act on that chair. There is the force of gra the gravitational force which is holding it down so that it won't go up. I guess it might fly up if there was no gravity. And there's also the frictional force which is holding it so that it doesn't move. In order for that chair to move, there must be some kind of an external force or something from within that would enable it to move. Now for you and me, if we are to move, there must be something that should happen. There are a lot of things that would hold us back from moving forward. There's a lot of forces acting on me and, on me and you that would hold us from growing, from moving forward. In order for us to move, we need the external force. We need the grace of God to work in us so that we move forward. Now, the point is, you and I cannot stay in one place. We either are moving forward or we are moving backward. We're either growing or we are going backwards. There is no neutral place in our spiritual walk. If you're not growing in the study of your word, our memories are poor. We forget. If we are not growing in our con connection with God through prayer, it's, and we don't grow, then we will go backwards. So there's no place to stay neutral. So what do we do? We are to press forward. Now a Christian is likened to a runner in a race. And that is the figure that we are seeing in this text. It's a race, it's a runner. You and I are runners in that race. But then it is clear that a person cannot be a runner who merely holds his ground, contented with his position. He only runs right when each moment brings him nearer and nearer to the mark. A runner cannot hold his place. You know, they, they take this place. And if he just stays that position, he can't be a runner. If he is to be a runner in that race, he needs to move from his position and every step he takes must bring him closer and closer to the mark that he is running towards to. You and I is, is, are in the same place. We have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but that's not the end of it. We cannot just hold there and not move forward. As runners in the rest, we are to move forward. And every moment of our life has to draw us closer and closer to the mark that the Lord has placed for us. 
So that is the need to be, to have a holy discontentment. We have to have that discontentment. This is not it. This is not where I want to be. I want to move on from here. And that should encourage us to press on. Second point I would like us to make, I would like to make, which I've already mentioned, is we press on because we are His. We press on because we are His. You and I will not press on so that we become His. You and I will not press on so that we'll become His. We will not come to church. We will not read the Bible. We will not share the gospel so that God will accept us and make us His. But we press on because we are already His. You will press on because you know you belong to Him and not to become His. And that is an important point for all of us. We belong to Him and therefore we press on. We do not press on so that we would belong to Him. He has already made us His own and praise God for that. Progress is a healthy condition of every Christian. How do we see that we are healthy? How can you see that your life, your spiritual life is healthy? How would you be able to tell that your life is healthy, your spiritual life is healthy? You would know your spiritual life is healthy if you're seeing little by little. It doesn't have to be huge progress, but it should show a little bit of progress in your life. As you see progress in your life, you would know that your spiritual life is healthy. The lack of it shows that there is some work that you and I need to do. How do we do it? What are some of the things that promote it? And what would be some of the things that might be a hindrance to our progress? The first thing, there are many things that can be raised, but within this short time, we won't talk much. But two important things that promote right pressing is one is our time with God in prayer and our study in the Word of God. The time that we spend in His Word and the time that we spend in His presence through prayer. Uh, John Piper said this, if we survey the life of the only perfect one, our dear Lord and Master, the sight of His beauty covers our whole countenance with a blush. He is the lily and we are the thorns. He is the sun, and we are as the night. He is all good, and we are all ill. In his presence, we bow in the dust. We confess our sin and count ourselves unworthy to unloose his shoelaces. When we bring ourselves into the presence of God and when we see the beauty and the glory of God, we can't help but see how much we fail. When we see how much we lack, then that would be an encouragement for us to press on, to move on. And that happens when you and I take time to be in the presence of God through prayer and through the word, the reading of his study, the study of his word. And the second one is time with others in a community. Being with others, being with other believers. Sometimes when I walk with my girls, who are little, kind of a little bit smaller than I am. I feel like a giant. 
you know. But then when I walk with my young, young brother, who is very tall, or when I am with a brother over there, Hans, when I am with him, I feel like a dwarf. I have to stand at a distance like this. When you and I, when we hang out with people who are spiritually not so mature, we feel like we are spiritual giants, and therefore we'd have no room to grow. But when we surround ourselves with spiritual giants, we would be motivated, we would be encouraged to grow. So the question is, do you have spiritual giants around you? Do you have people around you who would encourage you to grow, or have you surrounded yourself with people who do not have that spiritual growth, spiritual maturity that would encourage you to move on? May the Lord give us the spiritual giants in our lives who would draw us and encourage us to move up, to grow. But then we have those things that also hinder our efforts to grow. And one of them is looking backward. Paul says, I forget what is behind me and I strain forward. Sometimes the things that we have in the back, the things that we have done, the good things as well as the bad things, they become those things that pull us forward, backwards. Sometimes it's our success. We feel so proud with those things and we feel like that thing will take us for life, but it doesn't. Sometimes organizations depend, they, they boast on their past performances, not recognizing they are declining. It's important for you and I to forget what is behind us so that we can move forward. Sometimes it is seen in our life, seen in the past, as we keep thinking that seen in the past keeps drawing us backwards. So that is a hindrance that we are to forget so that we can move forward. But then the last one here, the thing that could hinder us is, Hebrews, is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Paul, the writer of Hebrew, gives it to us. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Is there something in your life is there something in my life that is hindering me? You know, it's difficult to come into the presence of God and ask him to reveal himself to us. It's difficult to fellowship with him when there is sin in our hearts because that creates a foothold for Satan to say, hey, let me say that. you think you can actually pray? You think you can actually come before the holy God with this? And the only way to overcome it is through confession. And the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. He is faithful and just to forgive us. So may the Lord help us to deal with sin that might be there that we are struggling, that might be a hindrance in our lives. Finishing up, Paul gave, gave us his example of a need that he's not there yet but a need to press on. And he finishes by saying, by making a call. Verse 15. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if for at some point you think differently, that too God will make it clear to you. So he says, those of you who are mature, 
those of you who have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of you who are desiring to move on, and that would include all of us who have raised our hands earlier, have the same thinking as I do. That means don't feel like you have already reached there, but get up and press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. Press to take hold of that because Christ Jesus has made you his own. So you are to have that same thinking is Paul's call for each one of us. I'll finish with this one. Bill Hamer says this. Just, okay. God takes many years to produce an oak tree. He also takes a lifetime to mature as saints. God takes many, many years to produce an oak tree. In the same way, he takes a lifetime to mature a Christian, to mature us. Now, as I finish, I would like some of these questions here to leave us with this ones for us to think of. Are you spiritually growing? Are you pressing? Do you feel defeated by sin? Do you feel contented by where you are spiritually today? What markers do you have to show that you are actually growing? That you have grown in the past month, past year? That you have grown even in the past years? What markers do you have to show? What would be one thing you would want God to do in your life today in moving you forward in the knowledge of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? So are we growing? Do you feel like you are progressing, moving on that trajectory? What is it that, this is for us to think, what kind of markers would you have for you to say, I am indeed growing, and these are possible markers that show I am growing. I have been growing the past month, I have been growing the past year, I have been growing the past years, and I can see it. What is it that gives you that encouragement to show that you are progressing? If the Lord is to answer something to you today as a result of what he has been speaking to us today, what would be the one thing you desire for him to do in your life today as you desire to move forward? Let us pray. We thank you, God, our Father, that through Jesus Christ you have made us your own. And you have made us your own so that we would know you more and more. You have made us your own so that we would grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you. Thank you that we are, we are moving in that, in that trajectory by your grace. And I pray, Father God, I don't know where we are, different one of us today. If there is any one of us who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we are stuck for some reason or another. But Father God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, the grace that enables us would move us so that we would press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. I pray that you'd give us grace in abundance so that we grow and grow into the likeness, the full likeness of Jesus. If there is anything in our lives, Father, that is dragging us behind, that is pulling us down, I pray, Father, once again, that you would give us grace so that we would overcome.
Thank you for your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins. And we want to thank you that when you forgive us, our sins are forgiven and completely wiped out. We thank you. In Jesus' name.